You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. I am joined here by Mike Chappell. Dave Griffiths is still with his uh, new baby daughter, Hannah. He's at home, but he might be next back next week for us. So we're looking forward to getting Dave back. Um, back inside the Colts Blue Zone podcast studio here at Fox 59 and CBS 4. It's kind of nice being able to hear you not having a concert go on right next to us this I, week. I miss, I miss that Woodstock effect. <laughs> but at the same time, it's nice to be able to hear somebody sitting five feet away from me. Oh, yeah. That that was a good time. Thanks for everyone who came out and said hi last week. And thanks for everyone who uh, put up with us um, on the podcast last week just listening with that loud music going on in the background. But... Mike, this week um, you just spoke to, actually today you just spoke to Frank Wright uh, about how much we'll see the starters play on Saturday's game against the Chicago Bears at 7 o'clock on Fox 59. Um, and he kind of said, not not at all. Yeah, it's not like they'll play a little. It was like, for the most part, they're, they're not going to play. Just give you, again, l- let's let Frank explain it. He said, and, and he he brought this out sort of unprovoked. Yesterday, he told us on Tuesday, he said, well, we're going to play the starters some and we'll see how long they play. And then he came up today and said, you know, on second thought, he said, after thinking that through and looking at everything we look at and sitting down with Chris last night, just really talking that through, just decided you're probably not going to see most of the ones this game. And then he says, this will be a great opportunity for those guys who do get to play to get even more reps. And we talked about, well, this is, you know, what changed your mind? He said there were several major factors that went into it. One, just looking at the health of the team, just thinking, hey, they aren't going to play much anyway. Really, are we going to get much of a, out of five or six or eight snaps for the risks that you incur by putting those guys out there? And then he said, I'm pretty sure the Bears aren't going to play theirs either. So it's obvious that uh, – uh, Nagy and Frank Reich exchanged texts where one says, hey, are you going to play your guys? No. Are you going to play yours? No. So it, th- th- this is, this is a, a seismic shift in preseasons. The third game has always been that uh, dress rehearsal where, you know, in the preseason, game one you play maybe a, a series. Game two you play two or three series. Game three, traditionally, starters play first half, Go into the locker room, make adjustments, and play the first series of the third quarter. Now, now that's not the case. And normally, when you make a change, it never goes back to the way it was. So they just they they they're overriding two two overriding factors. One is the healthier team. You don't want to lose players in the preseason, and injuries happen. We saw Reese Fountain, you know, tear up an ankle in a, in a in a running play in, in training camp. And on on top of that, you want your team to be uh, again as healthy as you can be. But then you want to evaluate the bottom five or six roster spots. Who's your fifth receiver? Who might be your sixth corner linebacker? So, like Reich said, this is gives those guys a chance to get more reps. And again, this this is this is going to be the way it is from from here on out. I just don't see the league going back to where teams play their players much in the preseason. I was looking to do some research before Frank said this, and quarterbacks after two games who have yet to throw a pass in the preseason, Phillip Rivers, 
Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff, Drew Brees, and Mitchell Trubisky. That's just the ones I went and that's I didn't go through all of them. And of course, Andrew Luck, a different scenario. So their their coaches are just scared to the to the point of of overcaution. I guess is is the phrase. They want to be ready on week one. They don't want to lose anyone in the preseason. Ty will not play a preseason snap. Quentin Nelson probably twelve plays. So. They're, they're, they're comfortable with this. They, they just know that they need to get more work done in practice. But uh, for people to think they're going to go back to playing players more in preseason, ain't going to happen. And one of the things that kind of stands out to me regarding this is the state of the team and how much the roster has progressed since last season. If the roster was in the same spot it was last season where, you know, they're still fighting for a lot of starting positions. You don't, you know, it kind of took a few games into the season to get those starting lineups settled and cemented. So now that a lot of those spots are more in place and players aren't fighting for starting positions, the fighting's happening at the back end of the roster towards who makes the team, who's that third, fourth, fifth guy. It, It doesn't make as much sense to kind of, risk your players putting them out there for nothing you already know they're going to start you already know what they can do and you know I looked over your article I didn't get the chance to read the whole thing yet don't worry I will but he kind of talked about the ones going against the ones during practice being amplified when you're not playing in the preseason and with a roster this talented the Colts can feel pretty good about their ones going against their ones and getting you know, iron sharpening iron, as Pagano would say. In honor of Chuck Pagano being back in town this week. That's right, absolutely. I think that that's true, and we're going to see more ones-on-ones uh, at least this week. When they get into the season, probably not so much. It's not that way. But taking it a step further from what you mentioned, last year, year one of the Reich era, they had things they had to get done. Yes, the roster wasn't where it's at now, and there was more competition, but they wanted to really uh, install, I, I guess, get the foundation of a, of a, of a culture in place, a, a winning culture, a winning attitude. They go 3-1 and one in preseason last year. This year, it's, it's just different. The approach to this year is different from the approach from last year. And while, while there are there, there may be one or two at most starting positions open, for competition, and that's a stretch. Uh, whereas last year, there, that wasn't the case. This year, this team is, for the most part, set in most places. So your approach to the preseason and getting ready for the season is different. Again, they, they want to be healthy. This is a team, and we'll talk about Andrew Luck in, in a bit. This is a team that should contend for something. Well, last year, they go into the season, and internally, they, they were, yes, optimistic, but the expectations were quite a bit lower. They were just trying to build something, and and now they're in position uh, to contend for something, whether it's the AFC South, whether it's you know a high seed, whatever. So I, I think all of that kind of went into this change of approach. And, uh, again, I just think that's uh, – the thing is some starters will have to play on, on Saturday. I, I think Frank did not rule out Brissett, although I'm not exactly sure why you'd put your potential starting quarterback behind – What's going to be a backup offensive line? Marlon Mack's not going to play. Uh, again, T.Y. Hilton won't play. Probably your tight ends, Ebron and Doyle won't play. 
a few guys might, uh, maybe the name that'll jump out that might play, maybe, no, not maybe, Rock Yassine probably plays. He's a rookie. He needs to play. But the, the Malik Hookers and Clayton Gathers and Justin Houston's and on and on and on, they won't. So this will be a pretty good situation, opportunity for those fourth and fifth and sixth corners, the safeties. And one thing that we've touched on a little bit here that they really need to, I hate to say develop because we're the, the regular season is less than two weeks away, or is two weeks away, is backup offensive line. This, I don't feel the least bit comfortable with the backups with what they've got. I like that the starters are, are top drawer. They really are. But your, your, your backups, your primary backups now are Josh Andrews, interior, Joe Haig, interior and tackle, and Raven Clark. Beyond that, I'm not sure what you have. Evan Bame has been relegated to backup guard and third-string ta- center. So if there's the one area that just cries out for depth, maybe this is an area that when rosters are cut to 53, somebody gets rid of a good offensive lineman. It doesn't normally happen because they're hard to find. I'm, I've always been concerned about the backup left tackle. And in general, I'm concerned about the the backup of the the quality backup of the offensive line. That's a good point you make. You know, this roster was made over so quickly that a lot of times you're scrambling to get your starters to the level that you'd like. That you don't have the resources to fill in those backups like you would like to. And I I have to figure that's something that'll improve as Curtis Ballard gets into more and more years with the team and he's able to work on that depth, but. You're right, the offensive line and really backup running back is another area that Colts fans have to be a little nervous if Marlon Mack goes down because the running game has not looked good during the preseason. They, they, they insist that they want to be a top-five running team. I'd like to have a $5 bet with Frank Reich that that's not going to happen, primarily because they're going to throw the ball as much as they throw it. But with, if you can imagine this running game without Marlon Mack, and running backs, get they get dinged up, they get hurt. Right now, we, we could probably have a a contest on naming the seven running backs on this roster, and I wonder if people can do that. It's We're talking Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, who's hurt, Jonathan Williams, who is hurt, and then uh, Cedric Ware, Charkandrick West, and Marquise Young. So we're not going to see significant improvement in, in numbers the last two preseason games because Marlon Mack is not going to play. There's no way he plays. I'm not sure I'd put Naheem Hines out there. So you're going to have some some recently signed running backs uh, playing this week and, and just because you need him to take snaps. Need him to take snaps and really, you know, for the average fan, this game just got a lot less exciting with the starters not playing as much. But that kind of amplifies without the starters playing. This is really a you know showdown for those back end players trying to make the team. Who's gonna make the team out running back? That's a great question with so many, you know, Jordan Wilkins week to week, as Frank Wright said. With, with no assurance he's ready for week one at all. Yeah. No and, and assurance. Jonathan Williams has a uh was it ribs? A broken rib, I believe it is, and th- those can linger for a running back, you're getting hit. So it, it's that's the one area that, that is really, as far as top to bottom, they're really concerned about the depth because, again, you, you, you just can't expose Marlon Mack in this game, and they won't. 
and I, I got I got to argue the same for Naheem Hines. So you're going to have a backup offensive line. You're probably your third and fourth quarterbacks, and your your fourth and fifth and sixth running backs. And I'm not sure what your expectation should be other than low. And it, it it's a darn good thing that the Bears were um, agreeable to this. They're kind of in a similar situation as the Colts. They ascended to one of the NFL's better teams last year. Most of their roster spots are set, and they're kind of in a similar position where they're, it's not worth it for them to risk their players either. If we were going against you know, a Cardinals with a new coach trying to establish that winning culture. Or, Which is where the Colts were again were last year. Exactly, exactly. We might see ones go against the twos, and then all of a sudden Jacoby Brissett's in a much more – uh, dangerous position behind a second-string offensive line, but a first-string defensive line coming at him. That's why it's funny. I was, I was exchanging texts with a guy that covers the Bears, and Nagy apparently said something like, you know, about Colts and how how each team approaches it. He said, well, we, we, we basically do what we want to do. We don't worry about the other team. Well, Frank Reich basically told us just the opposite. Coaches get together and say, hey, are you playing your starters well, no, then, then, because Frank had he said again, as I read, they had planned on playing their starters some, but then when the Bears chose not to as well, it, it, there's not much reason to get out there and play your your ones a handful of plays against another team's backups, and that's why there is conversation between coaches t- to see how each team approaches joint workouts, like like the the Colts did with Cleveland. Or, or in this game, to, so you're sort of on the same page and you're not trying to have the varsity playing the JVs, which I'm not sure what anybody gets out of that if you, if you go out there with your your varsity player, so to speak, and you beat up on a team's number two. So Yeah, you end the, up with a hurt quarterback when Khalil right. Mack is going up against a, you know, Garcia. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, or you've got just a young player trying to make a name for himself by – making a big play by blowing up somebody, whether it's a running back or a quarterback. So there is conversation. There's reason for it. And, again, it's amazing when you look across the league how so many teams are not – they're treating these as, as an additional practice. And that's why I think before long the league's been floating this 18-game schedule a long time. They really have. And if it ever happens, which I think it will, probably when the next CBA's uh, – negotiated after the what it's through the 2020 season. I think we're going to see 18 regular season games and two preseason games. And then you're going to see more of these joint workouts that the Colts have started with Detroit, Chicago, and, and Cleveland. And you're going to have the joint workouts take the place of two preseason games, which fans are going to love because they're only going to be paying for two preseason games as opposed to four on their season ticket package. So it's People wonder, will the league go to 18 games? I think yes, because the league wants to. It's just going to be what do the players get out of it, which more than likely is going to be a lot more money. The nerd in me doesn't want to see the 18 games because then all of a sudden all the stats and records are out the window. Correct. You got two more games. Then you may throw for 6,000 yards. Exactly. 6,000 yards, 60 touchdowns, which Patrick Mahomes might do this year anyway. Correct. But – it's um it's definitely gonna be interesting. Do you, do you start two weeks earlier? Do you end the season two weeks later? That's something we'll have to see in twenty twenty one when the next uh, CBA is negotiated. But um, what? Okay, so now that we know the starters aren't in there, 
What specifics are you looking to see from the team? Do you think Deion Kane plays and continues to build off the momentum that he garnered last week when he uh, caught seven passes for 80 yards? Do you think, you know, tight ends like, you know, I, I'm sure Ross Travis has got to keep playing as he tries to make the team. Well, Mo Ali, yeah, it's funny because you have to play people. You got to play somebody. You get to play 50-some people anyway. Uh, so, so, again, it'll be the younger players, the Deion Canes. I would assume a Chester Rogers will be returning punts. In uh, the Marcus Johnsons, uh, again, they're they're deep. Creshawn Hogan, which this this is invaluable to some of these guys because Hogan, the kid from Warren Central and uh, Marion, has had an outstanding camp. He just has. But when you look at the way this these numbers break down, there's there's barring injury, and the fact that the main guys won't play much uh, the rest of the preseason, it's just hard to see him s- sticking here uh, on the active roster. But this is a time where you get tape out of there. There's 31 other teams, and, and, and maybe 10 teams have weaknesses, depth at, at, at receiver, at corner, wherever you've got strength. Some team have a, It only takes one team to have a need at receiver or corner. But you're going to see these younger guys play. Hale Hinchkiss, uh, Ross Travis, uh, the defensive line. You know Gary Green, this is a great chance for him. And Jihad Ward and, and Mohammed and Ben Banigou, Carol Phillips, uh, EJ Speed. There's just a lot of guys that need to play because they're either rookies or they're young players. Uh, you know, again, George Odom has got a chance to be one of the last safeties here. Matthias Farley, uh, Chris Milton. Those are guys that need to show something, yes, in the base defense, but on special teams as well. So while, while the fans won't see – you know, the stars come out Saturday night. They're going to see guys who are going to be on the bottom third of the roster that at some point during the season are probably going to have a say on whether this team is a contender or, or it slides back because at some point, you know, the the odds on starting this offensive line, the five starters, 16 games, is very, very slim. And the same, like I say, the same as a running back. It's, it's just hard for a running back to, to be out there 16 weeks. So we're going to see... Uh, as painful as it might be at times, we're going to see a lot of backups playing and how they perform, not not necessarily scoring 28 points as an offense or, or throwing a shit out for the defense, but how do they do individually at what they're supposed to do at that time? And that's where Chris Ballard and, and his personnel staff and Frank Reich really make their money because this, this the, it's these games that fans hate, that personnel guys really cherish to evaluate the talent. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Krishan Hogan and the receivers because that's been something that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast is um, how deep this team at least was for a while at wide receiver. Um, a couple injuries have you know, been unfortunate, but they've made the decision a little easier on the coaches uh, with Doris Fountain being placed on IR this week. Um, Dave's boy, Steve Ishmael, a couple weeks earlier being placed on IR himself. So really, if the Colts do go with the six receivers, it comes down to Krishan Hogan and uh, Marcus Johnson, um, who was acquired. He was one of those players acquired after cuts last year. I believe he came over from Seattle. I believe it was Seattle. Um, But... Do you still see the Colts keeping that six-wide receiver or does it go to a position like tight end, which also looks very deep? 
Well, what's really going to impact it, and it, it, it's going it's going to impact it, are, are, are injuries. You're probably going to carry Jabal Sherrod active, and he's not going to be ready for the week week one. Jordan Wilkins probably won't be ready for week one. That's two players of the 53, and there may be someone else later on you know, that, that, that comes up. So, and do you keep three quarterbacks because you're not sure about Andrew Luck? Uh, it, it seems like it's a, it's a given that they that it's common sense that they keep three quarterbacks because you just don't know. But I would argue that you could put Philip Walker on the practice squad. Again, let's keep him. I, I'll make my weekly uh, reminder: Chad Kelly will not be on the 53 to start the season. So unfortunate. He simply won't be because he, he's suspended for two games. But let, let's say in your mind as as working the roster, you want to carry three quarterbacks. Fine, you put Philip Walker on the practice squad, and you go all week with with Luck and Brissett. If Luck's not ready, then on Friday you pull Philip Walker up, activate him, and then of course you make a roster move somewhere else. But uh, So you, you can get by with that, maneuvering the roster, massaging the roster that way. But th- that's three players right there I've talked about. There's always a possibility if, if Jordan Wilkins' ankle or foot, whatever it is, isn't just a one or two week that it's four or five weeks. Maybe he you IR him with the idea of bringing him back mid season. So th- those are those will impact your 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 decisions. Instead of keeping six receivers, maybe you keep five because you're carrying two injured players at this point. Uh, and, and do you have to steal a spot maybe at offensive line or, or or linebacker instead of six linebackers? You keep five. So. A lot of stuff goes into that. You mentioned six receivers. To me, Creshawn is probably number seven because you've got T.Y. Hilton, Chester Rogers, Paris Campbell, Devin Funches, Zach Pascal, and Deion Kane. That's six. And then I, I don't see Creshawn beating one of those three guys or one of those either Pascal or Kane or, or, or Chester Rogers. Frank Reich made it very clear that Chester Rogers is his punt returner. Made that very clear. Uh, do you carry only three tight ends? They've got five they really like. Maybe you carry four. Maybe you carry three with one on the practice squad and you bring him up at the end of the week like it, they did a lot last week. So a lot of moving parts. And we really didn't talk a lot about the defense with those moving parts. With defensive line, they're deep. Uh, in the secondary, they're deep. Linebacker, they're sort of deep. But again, with the way they play, maybe you can get by with five linebackers. But uh that's why I say a lot of decisions to be made. Maybe injuries play into it. More, more injuries play into it if someone else of significance gets hurt. But the fact you're not playing your top 20, 22 players the rest of the preseason, I'm not sure that an injury uh, would really impact what you're doing as far as carrying a player into the regular season. But it's I asked Frank Reich, I, I, I always thought that at this point a team could sort of Name is 53 and feel pretty confident that you're getting the right players. But he said there still are several positions and players to be determined. And again, I think that's at that, that last receiver spot, the last tight end spot, and the defensive secondary. Yeah, we mentioned, you know, this really becomes a area for these players to showcase what they can do, not only this week, but last week as well. We wanted to kind of start with the news that these ones – the starters aren't going to play on Saturday. But what happened last week against the Browns is, you know, absolutely going to factor into what they're going to do, who's going to make the team as well. 
And I thought there were a few key takeaways from that game, maybe none bigger than Jacoby Brissett and the first-team offense finally showing some signs of life. They kind of had a few drives that stalled out early, whether between penalties or just just kind of didn't really look sharp out there. And then Brissett on that one drive leads him down. He made pass rushers miss. Um, key throws to uh, Eric Ebron on the third down, I believe right. it was, and then also on the touchdown. He finally gave Colts fans a little bit of confidence that he'll be able to get the team you know, through the hump if Andrew Luck misses a short period of time. And I think, again, it was one series, but I, I think it did wonders for everybody's confidence. Yes, his, because you've got, you know, you're out there and you're, you're supposed to produce. Whether you're out there with a backup line or whatever, this was, for the most part, the starting offense. And after a couple of, like you said, herky-jerky drives, they put that together. What was he, eight? He was eight for 10, I think it was. Eight for 10 for 100 yards and the score. And on that drive, I believe he was like six for six for 87 yards. He had more yards on the drive than the, the drive was like 85-yard drive with, with the penalties, though. But that's what you wanted to see. Show, show to you know, be, be competitive, be efficient, and, and just show a command for the offense. So it, it was only one series. And the, to me, it's, that, that shouldn't erase the fact that I thought he's, he's had a very uneven preseason training camp. You know, the, the consistency wasn't there. The accuracy wasn't there. But for that one drive, at least you saw that, hey, hey maybe. Maybe there's something there that to where if it's going to be a week, two weeks, heaven forbid, a month without your quarterback, that maybe he can sort of keep things afloat. Now, it's a tough start with, what, the Chargers and then at, at Tennessee. That's a tough start on the road. Uh, they come back home with, I think it's Atlanta. It's Atlanta and then Oakland. So that, it, it, it's a tough start. And then you go to Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, week so, five. So it, it, it's really a tough start, but at least – I mean, wouldn't you rather have that on your resume preseason than to go out there against the Browns and just lay another egg and do nothing? So at least they gave him a boost. And then, you know, we were also going to talk about some of the other players. Deion Kane, we talked so much about, was he seven catches for 80 yards? Mm-hmm. He had one, he had one drop. He had the one he drop, had the one drop the that, that maybe you live with during his, his each seasons with him. But to see the way he has come back and really – you know, occasionally he's asked about the knee. He says, the only, the only time I think about the knee is when you guys ask me about the knee, which is a good thing. So that's why I think he, 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 he brings another dimension to this passing game to where, you know, he's that deep threat. He's the big play guy, almost broke play, uh, and he was caught from behind. So very impressed by what Deion Kane did and, and what he offers and what he potentially brings to this offense. Yeah, I think Colts fans have to be excited that he's, you know, the first game against Buffalo, he kind of was just getting his feet wet. It was the first game. Two catches, game back. I think. Two catches. He almost had that tough grab in the end zone. I remember that one where the DB barely gets their fingers right. on it and knocks that out. You hope he's able to hold that one in in the future if he's going to continue to develop. But, you know, best case scenario, Deion Kane shows enough this season that the Colts don't feel the need to pay Devin Funches and he can slide into that spot, and then your three receivers going forward, T.Y., Kane, and Paris Campbell. I've seen people say, well, maybe if if if, if he shows that, then maybe they don't bring back T.Y. Well, let's let's not go there, folks. Easy. T.Y. is a four-time Easy. pro bowler. He's only 30-ish. So T.Y.'s got another... Having his best camp four, ever. Right, four or five years in him. Uh, so let, let's, let's, 
let's, let's not go down that road. And I think one of the biggest things that T.Y. showed last year is, yes, he's small, and people always worried about those smaller receivers being injury-prone, but he showed the ability to not only play through the injuries, but to produce with the injuries. And, and that's a talent in itself. You see so many of these guys not be effective. They're nicked up. They just sit out. Being able to play with and through injury is a skill set in itself in the NFL um, when almost everyone has to do it. What well, it was a high and a low ankle sprain? A whole ankle. He's a receiver. I mean, you know, you use your ankle every play, cutting yeah. and, and, and starting, stopping. So I gained much more respect for T.Y. last year. And, and it, it sort of lends you to, to, to maybe, at least for veterans, they don't need that much preseason time. He practiced probably five times over the last month in the playoffs, and he was still at a high level. So, again, young players, yes, they need to practice time. But T.Y. showed that, you know, when he had to and he's out there on game day, he can produce. So statistically wasn't his best season, but might have been his best season for what he went through. Yeah, that most impressive is, is how I would probably put that. Let's get to a couple more positives um, from the game against Cleveland before we run through a few negatives here. Um, Chad Kelly, again, looked really good. He, if it wasn't for that suspension, and that's kind of, it, it's kind of a microcosm of the tease he's been his whole career, where he, he shows you the ability, you think he should probably be your third stringer if you keep a third stringer, but that suspension just lings over him. It, it, it's like, you know, except for the gunshot, how'd you like to play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> I mean, no matter what you do, you still got that big butt there, and and, you know, maybe after two weeks of the suspension, you bring him back and he's your third quarterback, even practice squad. But he, some players, and again, I thought he had an awful start to the preseason, just awful. I mean, training camp, um, not much on, not not much accuracy in the throws and all that. But some players are just gamers. They they just have a knack. You know, Frank Reich and Sirianni both tell us they have knack for making plays, and that's what this guy is. Now, do you think? Let, let's say he plays lights out the next two games. And he, and he gives you that, okay, we think he can do it. Then you have to take the last step of do you trust him? And do you trust the fact that he's not coming back from one off-field issue? It's several, you know, three or four. So it's it's not like one hiccup. This is, it's serial indiscretion. So, But if they think he's learned his lesson and, and they think he can keep himself in line, I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back in week three as your third quarterback. Listen, for a guy who's 25, if he continues to look the way he did in the past two preseason games over the next two preseason games, I think if not with the Colts, he'll get another chance somewhere based on how quarterback-starved this league is. Well, and, and one thing to keep in mind, too, let's say that, I want to say worst case, worst case is luck not playing this year, which we're not going to go there. Mm. But let, let, let's say that, that it, it's going to be three, four games that he's going to miss, and we'll maybe we'll find out in the next week or so. But but perhaps the Colts find a veteran uh, to be Brissett's backup for a, a short term when, when rosters are cut. You know, uh, Cleveland's third stringer Garrett uh, Garrett Gilbert was looked pretty impressive. Maybe that's yes, the kind of guy did. you bring in short term. Now the problem there is you bring in a quarterback that has zero knowledge of your offense. And we went through this with Brissett two years ago, and it's 
you're so limited in what you can do. So, but but again, I, I just think that's uh, it's interesting. That it, 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 every year, it seems like there's a quarterback who has a great preseason and fans fall in love with him. And then he's got you know Stephen Morris, the legend of Stephen Morris, yeah, who at the end really didn't get a good a fair shot here, in my opinion. But uh, I, I just think that they're locked in now with, with Luck Brissett and Walker simply because. Now in three in the third, week three of the regular season, does that change? We'll see. Another uh, area of light for the Colts is I thought second-year pass rusher Kamoko Torre made a couple splash plays. He had the sack. He had a tackle for a loss. That's got to be really encouraging for a hyper-athletic player that just needed to be coached up, needed to put things together. And if you watch the broadcast at all, the um, – broadcasters play-by-play folks made abundantly clear he likes that inside move and that's how he got his sack and that's uh in a very similar fashion how he got that tackle for a loss do you think Teray they'll play with him on the left side or is he primarily Houston's backup on that right side in the base he's primarily Houston's backup and they, they do try to stay that way but the fact with shared being out you know, at least probably for the opener, maybe a little longer. What do you do on the other side? Does Marcus Hunt go outside? Is Banigou ready? I don't know. But certainly in passing situations, I can see Teray opposite Justin Houston. And they really need Teray to kind of take that next step in, in year two. We saw more than flashes. What do you have? Three or four sacks last year. And, and the four sacks and 10 or 11 quarterback several hits. Games, yeah. And he, and he had a shoulder injury or whatever it was. So he's looked strong. And that's what you want, pass rushers, unless you're just the elite guys. It takes a year or two. Robert Mathis, it was like year two or three, year four, when he really stepped up. And the one good thing that Ture has at his at his benefit is he's been coached by Robert Mathis since you know he got here last year. Dwight Freeney visits camp last week and offers things. And you've got Justin Houston. So he's got three of the best pass rushers in NFL history to listen to and learn from. So I think this kid's got a chance, and if they can get good pass rush from Houston, which you expect, because he's done it in eight years, and from Ture, it'll do wonders for this defense. Yeah, because you know the inside's pretty solid with Autry and uh, Tyquan Lewis in there. So if they could get the pass rush consistently from the outside as well as the inside, that's going to be very dangerous for a lot of teams. Um, something you hit on that was not so impressive from the Colts preseason game against the Browns was their pass defense. Granted, you know, very vanilla defense, just kind of playing off zone, and the quarterback, as he should, took what was there. But third-string quarterback for the Browns, they didn't play um, Mayfield or Drew Stanton in the preseason game. He puts up 151 passing yards and two touchdowns on 9 of 19. Those are some pretty darn good numbers. Um, you'd like to see a little bit more out of the defensive backs, but you, again, how much do you take from this being the preseason game and vanilla defensive coverage calls? I don't take much from it because, again, they're as, as vanilla as the Colts are on offense. That's how they are. They're showing very little on defense with what they're going to do. And what we saw from Matt Eberfuss last year, he's very, very creative. He likes to keep people guessing off balance. And he's got much more talent at his disposal this year, both up front and in the secondary. So I no, I you want to see better play, of course, but 
I'm not concerned because I think when these guys have to turn it up defensively, I think they'll be there. Um, maybe the most concerning takeaway from it is the lack of a running game that they showed throughout the preseason. Through two games now, they're averaging 2.6 yards per carry. And we've talked about Marlon Mack not playing a whole lot. He did have six rushes in that game against Cleveland and only managed 10 yards. Now, you know, probably their best run blocker, uh, Quentin Nelson, was not out there for the game. But that's got to be a little concerning. And equally concerning is the lack of a backup running back or a reliable one. Um, We kind of hit on that earlier, but... Charkandrick West is more of a Naheem Hines than he is a Marlon Mack. He's a guy, a third down back, a pass catching back. Um, I kind of still in the back of my head go, hmm, JJ is still out there. They worked him out a little earlier. Um, he was medically cleared from the ACL tear uh, at the end of July, so it's been a few weeks since he's been cleared. Still a free agent. How high do you think that is in the back of their minds if they go through the next couple games, don't see much, or don't like what they see out of the running backs they have? I would say very low. Uh, I, I just think if, if they thought J.H.I. could be the guy that would help them, he would be here because it would give him a chance to learn the offense and, and sort of get in tune with what they're doing. I for, I just get the impression that, that they believe what they're doing in practice is working, and that come week one they can flip a switch. And we'll see. I, I went back and looked, and it's funny. We hear this every year. I don't care if it's Jim Mora, Tony Dungy, Chuck Pagano, or now Frank Reich, is we're going to run the football. Chuck Pagano was, we're going to stop the run and run the football. And I went back and looked, and not to bring up old, old bad news in preseason, uh, last year, the Colts averaged 83 yards a game preseason, 2.9. Seven, in 17, it was 64.8, 3.1. The year before, 45.6. That's You really have to work to get 45.6 yards a game rushing. That's tough to do, 2.6. So they've not run the ball well in preseason since 2013. They averaged about 109 yards a game. So they never, ever run the ball well in the preseason. Whether that's because they don't go with their major backs most of the time. Most of the time, they're leading rushers in the preseason doesn't make the roster. But I just I, I just don't see any success in preseason running the football. They haven't had it since, again, back in one time in the last 10 years, they've averaged more than 100 yards rushing in the preseason. Uh, even back in Edron James's career, they, they didn't run the ball that well because because Edron didn't run the ball in preseason. So can they turn it on come week one? We'll see. They believe that when they get the pieces correct, starting offensive line, because, again, uh, Costanzo misses the, the first game, if I'm not mistaken. Nelson misses the second game. Mack plays. The second game doesn't play the first game. The quarterback hasn't played. T.Y. hasn't played. So I, I really believe internally they think that once they get the pieces in place and they have game plans and they try to do what they want to do with the run game, they'll be successful. Now, again, I'd love to have a bet with Frank Reich on top five because I think I'd win. But to me, they don't need to be top five. If they're top ten, you know, they, they were 20th, I think, last year, which was deceiving because it was such a horrid start to the season. Then they sort of got their act together. 
But it looks to me like it's going to be a case of it's going to be another awful preseason of running the football, numbers-wise. Yet they think that they're convinced, they're, they're confident, I'll say, that when they get their pieces together that they'll run the ball as well as they need to run the ball. And speaking of the ones and, you know, when they want to do it, we all want to see Andrew Luck out there in week one. Frank Wright gave us a little more on him this week. Um, he he will still not practice at all this week. Of course, he's not going to play in any of these preseason games. Wright did say, quote, By the end of the third preseason game, I think you just have to know something. You have to be able to make the call and move and move from there. And then he went on to say, Luck is dealing with a, quote, combination of full speed movement and pain threshold. It's on a continuum of speed and movements and a continuum of pain. Um, so it sounds like he's not all the way there yet. He's, he's still getting that pain in his ankle when he makes that movement. But Wright realizes, hey, it's, it's getting to crunch time here. and We got to make a decision soon to prepare for week one. I know you've mentioned the date around August 26th. Why that date? Well, that's that's the, the the day they go back to practice after the Bears game. You know, if if after the third preseason is when you want to know, well, that, that that's that Monday the twenty sixth. But keep in mind, they only practice twice that week. That's the short week with the Bengals preseason game. You practice Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, play the Bears or play the Bengals. So I understand why he's saying that gives you the two weeks. I I'm going to c- c- refer to this as a soft deadline. Because let, let's say we get to Monday and we talk to Frank and, well, Andrew's not quite ready and all this. While they might start leaning towards Brissett as your starter, if they go out there that next Monday, the, the Monday before the uh, the opener, and Andrew Luck says, Coach, I'm ready to go, then Andrew Luck will be your starting quarterback. He, he just will. You'll, you'll just, I, I'm just convinced that even though it'll be maybe four practices, Three practices, maybe Monday. You know, with with the players' day off, I think they would be comfortable with Luck being out there if if he's physically ready. What we don't know, and the team won't share, and the closer people need to keep in mind. People, I, I get texts all the time or comments on, on on Twitter. But why don't you guys ask the hard questions? Why aren't you trying to really? Well, we're getting to the point now that the teams are going to be very reluctant to share information on personnel. We're getting into the competitive advantage area. Let's keep the Chargers from the team point of view, let's keep the Chargers guessing Brissett or Luck. And that makes total sense. Now, it drives us crazy because we don't know. But I just believe that with Luck's background and all that he's done, it's not certainly not ideal to only practice that one week. But but if, if he's after that one week, I think they'd be confident. What we don't know is how much is he doing in his individual workouts, we don't know to the extent we got a glimpse the other day before the uh, Cleveland game when, when he's out there before the game. I thought moving around pretty good, and I in the back of my mind, what I can't get rid of is why would they put him out there? Why would he go out there in front of the fans? More than that, in front of cameras in, in NFL Network and video. If, if he's struggling and if he's not quite ready or, or whatever. So I thought that was a positive sign. Now, not practicing this week is not encouraging, although, again, as long as he's out there next week or, heaven forbid, you know, the, the Monday before the, the Chargers game, I think he'll play. 
but every, every, certainly every week that he's not out there, it, it, it's 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 an indication that he's certainly not ready. If he's ready to practice, he'd be practicing. Uh, and what Frank Reich really wouldn't elaborate on is is the pain he's suffering or feeling. Is that while he's working out? Is it after he works out? Does he have a good workout and then there's lingering pain? And that's details. Those are details we're not going to get because we just don't. We ask and and, and we we get generalities. Uh, we keep hoping to talk to Andrew Luck at some point this week, next week, which may or may not happen. I don't know. I guess right now Luck figures he probably can't give us an update of much. But I just, again, I what I'm stressing is while Frank Wright sort of, in my mind, surprisingly said we need to know something by after the third preseason game, to me that's a very, that's still a soft deadline because if Luck's ready the week of the game, I just can't believe they wouldn't play him. Yeah, and you brought up an interesting point of why would they have him go out there in front of fans, in front of media cameras. It was almost like they were kind of signaling, hey, he's his leg hasn't fallen off. This isn't 2017, as Chris Ballard has he's said. Not, he's not dropped, dropped 20 pounds while he's rehabbing. So. Exactly. Just kind of give everyone a glimpse, like relax. It'll be all right. He can still move. He can still do what he needs to do. It's just a dealing with pain type thing it you know it it has been hard to get answers from Ballard and Wright on things but you don't get the sense that this is something that he's at great risk of injuring further by playing it sounds like it's more of a pain tolerance thing and while we're not in the regular season yet they're doing all they can to let the area heal so that he's not having to tolerate as much pain throughout the regular season but but again, having having gone through all this, it, it it to me it cements the idea that this is going to be an issue all season. To think that in two weeks this will be resolved and in starting September eighth he'll play and there won't be any residual effect from the from the calf or or the ankle is is ridiculous. There will be, there just has to be. But I think that's what they're willing to live with, or they're they're certainly willing to live with. I, again, I would rather have Andrew Luck. 85% than, than most other quarterbacks at 100%. So if, if, if he can play and won't be at risk of, of further injury, I think he plays. And, again, the problems you're running into, no matter what you do in workouts, no matter how you, you, you stress it and force it, and having, it's just different when you're playing in a game because you, you make sudden movements, you have to do all the stuff, that's not scripted, that's, that's instinct, and you try to, you know, replicate that during practice and in individual workouts, but this this isn't jumping over, bouncing over pads like he was doing uh, before the Browns game. This is playing the quarterback position, and most of the time you're doing things that weren't scripted, that you have to react to. And, we'll, we'll, again, I, I think he's doing a lot more away from our eyes than what we're, we're getting the indication of. That's why I'm just in my my gut says he's going to play, but boy, sure would like it be nice to see him practicing once or twice before we get to Chargers week. Yeah, absolutely. If if he's out there and he's thinking, you know, defense is coming from the left, I need to roll to the my right, but that's going to hurt my ankle. He's not ready yet, and he and he's 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 gonna he's gonna want to be to where he can play the position like he plays the position, and mobility and running, and avoiding contact and. Having contact is part of his game. Absolutely. Um, few other injuries of note here. 
a rookie wide receiver who everyone was excited about to start training camp has now missed, what, the last 12 practices? Um, Dealing with the hamstring injury, Frank Wright said, if you're checking off steps, he checked off the next step yesterday. Um, He said that on Tuesday, I believe it was. Um, So it sounds like he's progressing but still not practicing. It's looking like there's a chance Paris Campbell's not ready for that week one opener. They're trying to do everything to where he's ready for the opener. Uh, but again, we're th- he, he, it, it's one thing for your quarterback to miss so much time. But, but Lux played eight years, seven years. This kid needs all the work he can get. And from the OTAs, there were so many things they wanted to try to do with Campbell as a rookie, seeing how they can move him around in and, and different spots, maybe even in the return game. What this does, it really limits – it's, it's going to eliminate things they can do with him. Maybe he's only going to be a slot receiver uh, his rookie year. I, I remember back in 2001, Reggie Wayne, first-round draft pick. And late in camp, I believe it was, he comes up with a high ankle sprain. And it dogged him the first half of the year. He had a very lackluster rookie year, and now he certainly <laughs> turned into a Hall yeah. of Fame caliber receiver. But when your rookies miss extensive time, it just retards their prog. Well, there is no progress with a rookie like this. So he's going to miss. He's missed so much time. Not saying he can't be a factor early on, but it will be more in a limited role in what they can. They, they just can't move him around and do all the exotic things they might have thought they could do because of the mispractice time. And we had kind of spoken about, you know. Devin Funches might be the more primary receiver going into the year, and then by the end of the season, Paris Campbell has the talent. He could be, you know, establish himself as more of the number two. Something like this is certainly making that a lot harder now. Um, Funches, who looked solid in the game last week with Cleveland, um, you definitely have to figure that he's – has to feel pretty good about his role in this offense going forward. There's no real one really, you know, at the moment pressing him for his number two spot. I think the player that will be most impacted by Campbell's absence is Naheem Hines. Because we thought maybe the more that Campbell played as a rookie out of the slot and all over the place, he would cut into Naheem Hines' touches. Well, maybe now while Campbell is going to be slower to be in the offense, maybe that means Hines will do what he did last year as sort of that hybrid receiver. This is a kid with a receiver background. So maybe this just increases the importance of Naheem Hines and, you know, being yes as a running back option, but as being that that extra receiver to where you thought maybe Campbell could do it, maybe it's going to be Hines now at least early in the season. Yeah, we we saw last year, you know, the Colts were not afraid to – split him out and have him line up as a wide receiver. It's something he did in college, and he's certainly capable of doing. Um, You're absolutely right. Naheem Hines, maybe even Chester Rogers, play a little more if Campbell either isn't ready health-wise or isn't ready because he didn't have the experience he needed throughout practice to you know, know all the plays like he should, be there mentally like he should. Um Another guy, my favorite guy on the team, Adam Vinatieri, dealing with a a knee issue, but Frank Wright says it's not a problem. He's going to be ready for week one. They're not too worried about that there. Um, I guess just looking at the team overall as a whole, there hasn't been too many of those drastic injuries that players have gone 
down with at the top end of the roster. It's been Andrew Luck's nagging ankle, calf, whatever you want to call it. And I guess you could throw Jabal Sheard in there too. Um, but really, other than those two guys, the roster as a whole is looking pretty good health-wise when you look at every all the other positions. And that brings us back to what we started with about why they're cutting back in the third preseason game. They don't want to go out there and have T.Y. Hilton play 12 snaps and then on the 12th one he does something ankle, knee, or whatever. So they really like the health of this team. Again, you, you, you lose Steve Ishmael, you lose Reese Fountain. Fountain had a chance to make the roster. Uh, but they've really, you know, again, you get past luck. Then, like you mentioned, the one that's nagging is Jabal Shared, invaluable part of this defense. But by and large, it's, it's been, you know, knock on wood, an uneventful uh, medical preseason training camp. And that, that's what they want to try to get to. They want to get to September 8th healthy because. This is, again, as much as people love the NFL and all this, it's a risky business and guys get hurt. You're going to lose, you know, as we see here today, the Colts are going to lose five or six players over the course of the season, maybe more. And as cold as it sounds, you you, you hope it's not one of your eight or ten core frontline players to, that, that impacts a season. But uh, what we're seeing with the preseason now is teams, they're just over – the overriding concern is let's be healthy. Let's not get guys hurt in a risky business. And, again, to think that's going to change, it's not. This is the future of the preseason. Well, that'll do it for us today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that um, new episodes go directly to your listening device every single week. You can follow Mike Chapel at mchapel fifty one. You can follow Dave Griffiths on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. And you can follow the Colts Blue Zone podcast on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. And be sure to watch the game at 7 p.m. Lucas Oil Stadium, Colts vs. Bears. There'll be a lot of interesting tidbits on who's going to make the back end of this roster. Who's going to be there to fill in when those five, six injuries happen throughout the season. That'll be on Fox 59 and it'll be available to stream on Fox59.com. So be sure to check that out. Um, We appreciate you listening. And until next time, this has been the Colts Blue Zone. (laughs) 